Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Code. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix with Physio Room. And today I'm really excited to be joined by a friend of mine, a client of mine, uh, or a client of ours at Physio Room, uh, Lauren Goldberg. She's a licensed clinical social worker psychotherapist and owner of a practice here in Littleton called Secure Base Mental Health. We're sitting in her office. So thank you so much, Lauren, for being here on The Code and joining me for this for this episode. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, we got an awesome day outside. So we, I mean, the sun is shining. It like finally. can't be better this coming up weekend. And um, I'm excited for people to get to know a little bit about you, get to know a little bit more about mental health. I feel like, you know, it's an area that over the past couple of years, I've started to like learn a little bit more about, but I didn't really have, even though uh, a family member of mine is in a very similar profession, uh, you know, niche of the profession as you, um, it just wasn't really something that I knew much about. So yeah, I'm excited yeah, about cool. this. Cool. Yeah. I think it'd be good for everyone to hear from a therapist, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Uh, Lauren, will you just share your background a little bit, yeah. int- sort of introduce yourself uh, here on the episode and, um, you know, tell us where you came from and how you got into what you're doing. Yeah, sure. So yeah, it's great to be here. I've been listening to the podcast a bit and you guys have done a great job. So yeah, nice work. Um, yeah. So I grew up on the East coast, um, in, uh, right outside DC and went to university of Virginia for college. And, um, I actually started out there, um, doing nursing. So in the nursing Mm -hmm. school, thinking that I wanted to take care of people in that way. And then kind of quickly realized that I more wanted to talk to people about emotional health and um, those pieces. So I transferred out of nursing school and became a psych major um, and connected with, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do after school, um, I connected with a professor of mine who suggested based on what I was telling him that I should maybe look into social work because there's sort of like a, a broader range of things that you can do with that degree. Sure. Um, and I thought that was a great idea. So a friend of mine, uh, Meg, she, I met her in college um, and she had always wanted to come out to Denver because her family used to vacation out here all the time. So I decided sight unseen to um, apply to DU. Uh, graduate school of social work. And uh, I got in and told her we were, we were going to Denver and she looked at me like I was crazy and (laughs) here we are. So moved out here and went to DU. Um, When did you move out here? What? 2007. 2007. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And so loved it out here. I met my husband the first week I was out here, my future husband. Wow. And we dated for a little while here. And then um, he went to law school in San Francisco. So I ended up after I finished my degree going out there and worked a bit out there where I found kind of a life-changing program that I worked in for a while. Um, 
and I was doing early childhood mental health consultation, mm-hmm. which is kind of a mouthful, but um, basically I learned a ton about early childhood and early attachment patterns and how they influence um, how we see ourselves and how we relate to those around us. Had some great mentors and just learned a lot about relationships and community and how it impacts people. And um, we eventually moved back to Colorado. Um, And uh, I think I kind of realized shortly after that, um, that kids were not really my passion, but uh, working with adults was and parlayed my early childhood experience into um, private practice Mm -hmm. with adults where you can basically still use a lot of the knowledge around early attachment patterns to, to help adults. Absolutely. Um, So yeah, I, and I've got two kiddos. So after my second kiddo is when I started my private practice. Yeah. And I love it. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so how long have you had, um, the private practice secure based mental health? I think it's almost three years now. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Uh Well, I've heard, you know, from chatting with you, um, you know, maybe like referring a client or two, I've heard nothing but good things about what you're doing here. Um, now you had a previous office before the one we're sitting in today, right? So I did. Yeah. How, how was the, you know, I guess I'll, I'll get to this in a minute, but hearing your background, um, you know, from the East coast to Colorado out to the West coast, then coming back a little bit, you've, you've been across, across the United States. Um, but uh, so many people do that, right? They like they move out here to Colorado. Sight, they come out here yeah, to visit. Unseen, I came out here to ski, and <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, six months later, I'm moving out there, yeah. and I didn't even know anything about Colorado. Um, exactly. Similar thing happened to us. I, I guess it was it was less for us of the moving to Colorado because of Colorado. I mean, I wanted to be near the mountains. My wife did too, um, but it was more for the opportunity. Uh, with physio room and it was more for the opportunity to be closer to her her sister and, yep. and brother-in-law um because we were in kansas city before this where we had an awesome friend group just no family there right. and, it, and it's just right. different right yeah. not being near any family yes it is <laughs> um so neither of us are near our parents but we're by by uh my sister-in-law and brother-in-law which is pretty cool but um but yeah i think like you said you went into the nursing side of things yeah and something that you wanted to do is you wanted to like help people take care of people, care for people. Yeah. And there are a lot of different ways that you can do that. Absolutely. Right. I mean, you yeah. may, you may have like a, a realtor might say like my passion is helping take care of people, yeah. helping them find their home exactly. that they're going to raise their family yeah. and helping you know? them with a vision. Right? Yeah, yeah. What, whatever it's going to be. So there's so many different ways that you can do that. But um, you know, so many of the people that I talk to every day, like that's their driving force behind whatever it is that they're doing, whether they're a physical therapist, a chiropractor, mental health therapist, um, nurse, doctor, you name it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, so this is good. So what I'm curious to, to find is, so you had your first office, yeah. then you, you opened up this one. How was the transition, um, for you? Uh, I assume based on, you know, we're sitting here, I assume you were doing a lot of work in person with clients and then, in the three years that you've had your practice, the pandemic starts yes. and everything goes virtual. Um, you know, how was that kind of transition going from talking to people in person, now doing everything on Zoom or on the phone? Yeah. So I don't do everything on Zoom on on the phone right now. So mm-hmm. I um there was a period where, you know, just just like everyone, I was pivoting with yeah 
society as we learn more and as we gained an understanding of what the beast of COVID-19 was. So, um, you know, there was a time where I moved a lot of people to virtual, mm-hmm. um, but those that didn't feel super connected virtually, I would still see them in person with masks. Yeah. And now <clears throat> it's nice because uh, we are not doing masks. We are doing in person. I've got my trusty air purifier there, but just trusting that we're kind of in a different place. And, yeah. um, you know, my work, my approach as a therapist tends to work better in person. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been nice to kind of just return yeah. to normal. Yeah, I mm-hmm. I totally agree. And, you know, we were, we found ourselves in the situation where we did a couple of virtual appointments, but for the most part, we were working with clients yeah. in person with masks the whole time. And even though, you know, we're, we're putting our hands on clients a lot more in the office to do manual techniques and things, it's just different, yeah. right? It's just different being in person, reading the body language, not being distracted by the the technology and you know your phone you're trying to sit on a zoom call yeah. and i know that was a something that my grandmother who's in the same field yeah, as you yeah, yeah. something that she was really having a hard time with like she she did not want to do it but mm-hmm. she wanted to make sure you know she was taking care of her own health too because she's a little older um i mean she's in great health but she uh she was talking with a lot of her clients on the phone mm-hmm. because at her office she didn't have um, you know, the full fledged like internet and everything set up. Cause she was like, I don't need it. She, she takes notes, <laughs> pen to paper right. and she, she does not have Wi-Fi in the office. So, um, I know that was something that as soon as she was able to like feel comfortable enough getting back in person, yeah. um, she absolutely, absolutely was doing that. Cause yeah, it was just better nice. for a client. Yeah. It's nice. And there are interruptions in virtual. I mean, there's a lot you can do. Um, I'm doing a somatic experiencing training, which is part of my approach, which you get to later, but, um, I'm doing, we're doing that entirely virtually and it's a yeah. body-based approach. So, um, there's a lot you can do, but yeah, I think people just tend to prefer in person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, that's totally how, how my, personality and everything is. Yeah. Well, you started to mention a little bit, Lauren, about um, your training. You obviously talked about school, going to UVA, going to DU, um, but then you had mentioned the the early childhood attachment training that you were doing and you've started to blend that or carry that forward into your work with adults now. Um, So sort of like walk me through that process of like, how has that been? What are some of the other like, you know, training Mm -hmm. that you've done that you utilize on a daily basis working with clients now? Yeah. So as a therapist, um, one thing that's super cool is that our personal work really, uh, is very congruent with our work with clients. So I can use my own, um, my own like self-exploration to become a better tool for my clients. And so I'll break that down a little bit. Um, I finally found a therapist that I resonated with when I moved to, uh, Colorado for the second time. Mm -hmm. And she, I had been through therapy in the past, um, more of kind of a cognitive base, what we call like CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. So you're, you're doing a lot of thinking about your, your cognition and your behavior and, trying to shift things based on thinking your way through it. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that, especially when you have anxiety or depression that just doesn't always resonate with people. 
Um, and there's a really good reason why. Um, so this therapist that I found here, she, uh, worked, um, she had training in what we call somatic experiencing therapy. Mm -hmm. And so it, it brings, it's, it's a technique that, um, brings curiosity to about the nervous system. Okay. And we get really curious with clients about what's happening in their bodies. And we invite a connection between mind and body that is not there in a lot of other types of therapy. So when my work with, when I started my work with her, it was like just a total game changer in terms of how I understood my own anxiety and my own upbringing and how it was impacting me now. And that started the ball rolling for me gaining more training mm -hmm. in that particular technique. Um, continuing to work with her and, uh, and, you know, other practitioners as we call them, um, in SE and just continuing that work on myself as I also bring that to clients. So if I don't have an understanding of what's going on in my body with my nervous system, it is much harder for me to sit with a client and be able to attune to them and understand what's going on for them. Yeah. To understand what's mine versus theirs. Right. So if I'm feeling a certain thing in session, it's really helpful for me to have a lot of clarity around that sure. and to sort of name it with them and say, you know, here's what I'm noticing. Are you noticing that too? Or is that just me? You know, and, and it brings a lot of connection between my body, which is something that's mm -hmm. very much missing from like traditional therapy. Yeah, no. And I resonate really strongly with what you just said. You know, um, we work with a lot of clients right now who, you know, maybe they're business owners or entrepreneurs of some sort, entrepreneurs. And one thing that I really believe is true is like, you know, your business growth is only going to go as far as your personal growth, oh, yeah. right? Totally. Like if you're not doing self-development, personal growth type of work, it's going to hold you back in any other venture yeah. that that's out there. And that's basically like what you're talking about, just in a di with yeah. slightly different spin on things yeah. of and your own personal growth is helping you with your clients. Oh yeah. And it's particularly true with therapists because yeah. I hear a lot from, from people, you know, that, oh, well, my friend who's a therapist just has, is, has an awful relationship. Right. And, um, or, you know, doesn't have a great sense. I think it's like, if you don't, if you're trained as a therapist in terms of schooling, but you don't continue to do your own work, it's like just enough weapon to, think that you know what you're doing and then harming people as a result of not doing your own work mm -hmm. because the therapeutic relationship is the biggest tool that we have establishing safety, using uh, the therapist client relationship as a template for healthy interaction and healthy relationships, having healthy boundaries, allowing people to feel safe enough to get curious enough to do the work that leads to change. Mm -hmm. So it's super important that I'm clear about what's happening for me so that I can be present for clients. Absolutely. You know, I think, I think it's the same thing in any, any sort of health, health field, right. Or really probably any field. Um, I feel the same way. I think providers, uh, in, in physical therapy or rehab who don't continue to, I mean, you're required to do, and I'm going to put air quotes on this, right? Like continuing education, yeah. but how invested and in actually intentional right. you are, right 
and present you are in that continuing education is what's going to yes. determine, do you actually change how you practice? There are a lot of people that go to all sorts of continuing education, but they, it doesn't actually change what yeah. they do on a day-to-day -day basis. And there are people that have gone to school, you know, 20, 30 years ago, and they're, they're you know, working as a provider, yeah. but they're doing stuff that is so outdated that mm -hmm. it's really... I mean, I guess it's helping people if, if they're doing a good job with the communication and the relationship, but it's really not helping them from like the techniques that are being used. They're very outdated, yeah. right? It's not what we right. know is going to get people better and well, the most efficient way that we know, mm -hmm. like the knowledge we have today. Yeah. Um, yeah so I think that's, that's huge. Yeah. And, and I'm kind of like, I think people would, I think it's why I'm good at what I do is because I am constantly wanting to learn. I've, mm -hmm. just, I've just always been that way, but yeah. Um, I am doing like a three-year somatic experiencing the certification program, even though I've been using the modality for a while, getting officially certified, you have to gain hours in that, um, personal and professional hours in that. Um, and then I already kind of know <laughs> what training I'm doing next. That's going to cost me thousands yeah. <laughs> of dollars. Um, but that's just the way that I am. And I, I love it. I love to be able to provide the best possible modality and, and, you know, information to my clients. Um, the other thing that I do is I work with, uh, several mentors who I meet with, um, several times a month. Mm -hmm. So I'm constantly reflecting on my own work with clients and yeah, continuing my growth. So like you said, yeah. just actually doing the work. Yeah. I love it. Um, and it's, and it's not always easy work, right? It's, no. a, you know, it's, 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 it's very difficult. <laughs> yeah. It, it's a huge investment of, of dollars and time. Yes. Um, it, it causes you to have to prioritize other things, right? You, yes. you can't pursue other things because of the investment you're putting here with time and money. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's uncomfortable because like, yeah. in order to actually see those improvements, you've got to push yourself outside of your comfort zone or, um, gain, you know, gain awareness of, of how you feel a certain way, why you feel a certain way Absolutely. to try to wrap your head around and understand it. Yeah. But I love the, um, I love the word that you kept using, uh, curious or being, yeah. having curiosity. You know, that's something oh, yeah. we, we do with clients too, of like, once we feel like we've established some trust with the person we're working with, you know, there are a lot of different ways that we could do some sort of intervention or treatment with this person. And we don't exactly know until we do it, how it's going yeah. to turn out. Yeah. So I, I use that word mm -hmm. all the time, you know, with a client, like, you know, Hey, so-and-so I'm curious if we try this, yeah. how you will respond to it. Yes. How does that sound to you? And they're like, great, let's do it. Yeah. Um, because we need to, we need to figure out how you're going to respond. Yeah. And I think that's, that's probably another thing um, that I, well, it is another thing that I work in the, with my clients and the, and the other piece of just knowing myself well enough to be able to trust my instinct and, mm -hmm. and even say to the client, you know, Hey, I don't, I'm not totally sure about this, but here's what I'm thinking, or, mm -hmm. you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but this is what I'm noticing. So you're kind of, you're taking some risks, right? Some yeah. calculated risks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, hearing this conversation kind of, kind of gets, gets me thinking of a question for you, mm -hmm. um, which I don't know if this will be an easy question to answer, but through your own sort of personal journey, personal growth journey, being, uh, you know, not only the therapist, but being a client and working with therapists to improve your, your own self, what are some like major things or major hurdles that you've found yourself kind of overcoming that probably is helping your clients mm. on a daily basis? Mm -hmm. And the reason I want to ask you that is uh -huh. um, because I bet you there are so many people either listening to this or not that probably are going through the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good question. Personal hurdles. 
Um, well, you know, I think, so I've been at this a long time and at this, I mean, doing my own personal work as a therapist, Mm -hmm. as a human, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) um, and working through some definite anxiety and what we call kind of nervous system dysregulation, right. Mm -hmm. Where my, what happens in my system is not super congruent with the environment at times. So I'm sort of at like a hyper vigilant place in terms of how I see the world with certain things. And so, um, I mean, that's a huge thing that I continue to work on with my own somatic experiencing practitioner, um, and how it relates to early attachment patterns for me. And, um, so, but I think, you know, I, I've been at it for like 10 plus years, Yeah. continue to find practitioners who are meeting me at where meeting me where I'm at right now with my own healing. Right. Um, but what has become really clear to me at this time, which I feel like everybody should hear is that there's not always like we expect there to be this beginning, middle and resolution to mm-hmm. what we are going through. And there isn't always what it, what it often is, is we're dealing with something and then the resolution is actually how to be with it in a different way. And so instead of getting rid of my anxiety entirely, how do I integrate it in a way that feels like it's manageable Mm -hmm. and useful to me? And I think that that's what my therapists, practitioners, mentors have helped me with. And what I hope to be helping clients with is this understanding that we're not, Lauren, you're never going to be at a place where you're not anxious, but you can orient to it in a different way. So that it actually can help you or inform you. There are great gifts with that. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think for me, because I tend to catastrophize or worry, I also see gratitude in a different way. So Mm -hmm. I'm actually able to open my heart to like, I'm so grateful that the thing I worried about isn't true. And, and there's, there's an ability to like, pendulate between the two to pendulate into like that activation of this is really hard. And then that deactivation of, Oh my goodness, like, let me just like revel in the joy of feeling really good today and really positive. And how is that so different from where I was? And that's the capacity building Mm -hmm. that people build in using a modality like somatic experiencing, where you're actually looking at the nervous system what you're doing is you're building capacity to notice positive in a world where you've oriented towards negative. Yeah. And so that's been a huge thing for me is like, I'm not working. I now understand that I'm not working towards not ever feeling anxious. I'm working towards how to relate to a different mm-hmm. and move for in, you know, the here and now and forward. Yeah. I love that. And I love where you ended up going with that answer because I think that is totally true and, you know, being somebody myself who's like very type A, I like getting stuff done. I like, you know, I've got my to-do list here. I love checking things off, right? It's it's easy sometimes to, to think like, I just need to get 
to the sure. end, right? Mm-hmm. I, there's this point that I need to get to, yeah. but the point is not where, where the improvement it like, it's all in the journey, right? Absolutely. Like in yeah. the, the journey or the experience, um, is, is where the, the magic happens if you want to say yeah. that. But, but I think that's like really cool for people to hear and how boring would it be, right? Like you're different than other people. You're different than me. People have different amounts of anxiety or, or whatever. How boring would it be if we're all the exact same? Oh my God. Well, and how terrible, because yeah. if my husband were like, I am, <laughs> we, we'd be a, a complete disaster. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I think it's, it's awesome. And that's yeah. part of what's cool about, you know, having so many different uh, people out there is some people are going to worry about things a certain way. Yeah. Some are not, yeah. some are going to get more excited than others about yeah. a certain thing. And that's what makes, makes it fun. Oh, and totally. just having that difference. Yes. No. So that, so that kind of brings me to, to another question. And maybe, maybe that is um, maybe anxiety is maybe one of the answers um, that you just started to touch on. But like, I feel like until you really start to communicate with somebody like yourself and start to learn about what mental health therapy is mm-hmm. and is not. Yeah. And if you don't already have some form of personal or familial experience with it, I feel like people don't really have a good sense of like, what is mental health therapy? Gosh, yeah. Um, like what does a social work employ, uh, professional do? Right. So, and I know from you and I were talking off of air, it's not what we often see on, on oh television gosh, or, please. you know, on yeah. the internet or something. Ugh. So, so there sometimes seems to be like a little stigma right around that. Yeah. So what I would love is for you to like kind of demystify that Mm -hmm. a little bit and just sort of talk about like Mm -hmm. what actually is the process of, of working with a mental health professional. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good question. And yes, TV and movies just totally butcher it. And I think that they, they, uh, they, you know, they've gotten a little bit better, but I can't say it's great, but (laughs) what it, what it is not is someone sitting on a chair with a clipboard judging you (laughs) and asking you like, you know, and and shaming you. There's so much shame. I feel like built into like therapists as you know, on TV and movies. Um, so what it should be is, um, someone who is, can build on your time, safety and rapport and allow you to feel safe enough to be curious about your own experience mm-hmm. and be sort of guided to your own understanding of your experience and to making changes. So what I don't do is tell people what they should do. Like right. I don't give advice. It's a it's a very open-ended um sort of dialogue. Um I do a lot of educating, um, particularly about the nervous system. But I think for any good therapist, you're doing a lot of educating about why one is now doing things the way that they're doing based on their history, Mm -hmm. um, and based on their ideas and orientation to the world so that they don't feel so bad about what's going on for them. You know, they don't feel so much shame. Um, so that's kind of, that's a huge that's a huge part of my job is, is, um, destigmatizing, taking shame away, helping people feel empowered where they are and getting curious about what's going on cognitively and 
in their body. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, I think some of that stigma and I probably was someone who used to feel this way. I don't anymore. Um, as I've gotten educated and learned more, I think a lot of times my perception is that people feel like something has to be wrong with them. Right. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And that's why they have to go do mental health therapy. Right. But that's not the case. No, it's not. Um, no, I mean, I get a lot of inquiries where, I mean, I talked to someone yesterday who said like, you know, I really just want this as a tool to continue to explore myself. Mm-hmm. Great. Awesome. I can help you with that. Um, but I, I will say, I mean, oftentimes what is happening, I mean, hundred percent of the time, what's happening in therapy is usually a reparenting process. Mm-hmm. So I'm acting as a caregiver that is very, is a, the name of my company, secure base where people can come to me and explore what's going on, be safe enough to do that, go out into the world and come back and explore even more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And you, you said the same thing that I, I kind of, uh, will tell clients as well, uh, is, you're helping to guide them through a journey that yeah. is not yours. It's theirs, right? Yes. You know, when, when clients come into, to our office or, or any physical therapist office for this matter, a lot of times what, what they think, and maybe that's because of what they've been told by some other provider that referred them over yeah. is like, you're going to go here so that they can fix this problem for yeah. you. And that is not what no. we can do, right? I cannot just tell you what to do. And it's just going to fix the problem yeah. because if I could, you know, I'd only ever be able to see people one time. I would fix their <laughs> exactly, problems. Yeah. I'd probably charge like $10,000 for right, that because right. you know, how, that's not a, it's not a magic pill, right? right. We're there to guide you mm-hmm. through your own experience and your journey and provide you with the tools that you need to continue to manage, manage this. Yes. Right. So, yeah, I get, I get a lot of, you know, and I think that's a, that's a other good point in terms of what I'd like people to know is Let's say, for example, because this is just like kind of the epitome, that's just sort of a stereotypical example is like someone who is involved with an abusive partner, right? And they come in and they're not ready to leave, right? And Mm -hmm. so it's not on me to get them to leave, but it is on me to create a space for them to continue to reflect on why they're maybe not leaving Mm -hmm. and use our relationship as again, that healthy template for attacks for, to help build them up to a place where they start to understand themselves better and understand, Oh yeah, I actually don't need to be treated like this and they can leave on their own time. But I'm never, you know, I, there's, I see in people's faces a lot when they say like, yeah, he's cheated on me like a lot. And like, you know, I know I should leave, but, and it's no. So for me, it's, how do we sit in that stuckness mm-hmm. and be with it and say, yeah, gosh, you know, you should leave, but it's, it's hard to think about, about actually doing that. Yeah. You're, you're not ready. So let's be with that. Right. And let's think about, you know, how hard that is yeah. and really just kind of be with them in it as they do their own work to eventually, mm-hmm. hopefully leave. Yeah. 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 You're just kind of like, you know, calling it like it is. Yeah. It's not right or wrong no. or good or bad. This it's just, it at. is. Yeah, yeah. It's where you're at. Um, it's not your fault. Right. And let's, uh, yeah, let's see what we fault. can do about that. Right. right. Yeah. And let's stop, you know, shaming yourself because mm-hmm. chances are it's because of your own upbringing that you're dealing with someone who is a narcissist, you know, and, and you really need to be built up mm-hmm. and figure out who you are and differentiate from that narcissist before you can actually 
leave yeah. and feel empowered enough to do that. Yeah. You know, I've read a couple of books and uh, what kind of this is reminding me of is, you know, nobody, um, nobody can fault you for how you feel mm-hmm. about a certain situation. Yeah. Right. Because it's not like you're saying, you know, one comment or the other, you're just saying like, Hey, this is how I feel. Yeah. And you don't have to apologize for that. Right. right? Like yeah, it's nobody's fault. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, this yeah. is just what I'm feeling. Yeah. And, um, and it just is what it is. So I, I like, I think that's huge. So, so I think that's awesome. Like starting to demystify that stigma of like, you know, something doesn't have to be wrong with you mm-hmm. to, to work through um, mental health things. You know, I like to approach it kind of from like a, Hey, this is just where I'm at now. And I want to further optimize yeah how, how I'm performing from a mental standpoint, or I want like to reach a higher peak performance type of situation. And I'm starting to see with, you know, other people that I know, or, you know, seeing things in the media, I'm starting to see that become a little bit more of a trend of where there are like people who are totally normal, right. Just like everyone else. But like what anyone from the outside looking in would see is like, wow, you're a very successful person, Mm -hmm. but they're participating Mm -hmm. in mental health work with a therapist because they just want that next level. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And also there's different levels of success, right? So I see a lot of high functioning. I mean, I think like great client for me actually is like a high achieving, high functioning person who has a lot of success in their career, but who's struggling in relationships. And Mm -hmm. that's usually because there's, there's a reason that they're so successful with their work, right? Is that there, it's a, They've gained a lot of reinforcement for that in the past. They've that's been sort of their survival circuit in terms of okay, if I perform this way, then maybe I'll be good enough for so and so. And it's sort of a way to disconnect and survive the situation mm-hmm. that they're in. So, yeah, there's a lot of different um, ways to be successful, and and that's you know I think I hear that a lot from clients is like I'm so good at my job, but I just can't hold a relationship together. Like mm-hmm. what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. And you see that a lot, right. Where I've, I've gone through some of that, where when you like really pour into certain areas of your life, sometimes it leaves other areas of your life kind of lagging behind. Yeah. It, it's hard to yeah. have like an equal balance in yeah. all different yes. areas at the same time. Um, how have you, you know, maybe helped, helped clients or like, how have you helped people work through that sort of struggle? This, this struggle of like, you know, trying to have balance in what you're doing, like kind of what you're talking about, where there are a lot of people I know who are like really successful either in work or in athletics or fitness or something. Um, And then you see other people who maybe like, they don't really participate in that at all, but they have really awesome relationships and they're really close with other people. Like finding balance seems to be a challenge that a lot of people struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely don't know the answer, but, um, maybe I'm asking for myself, how, how do you, how do you help find, you know, help find some, some balance. Um, right, what, right. what are some like tips or strategies yeah. that, yeah, that yeah, maybe yeah. would. So be I useful? think, you know, yeah, it's a good question. I think, you know, for one, I follow the client's lead in terms of what they're saying is something they're wanting. Right. Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. I, you know, someone comes in and they're not where they want to be in their career, but they're not really mentioning it, you know, I'm not going to go that direction. But if it's, um, that, I don't know, like a, kind of a typical example is like someone who works a lot and their relationships are suffering. Right. So yeah. how, how do we understand that desire to work a lot? Right. And this is going to be different for every client, 
But how do we understand that? How do we make sense of it? And how do we decrease, again, decrease the shame of that? Okay, so looking back at early childhood, you got a lot of connection from your parents around working a lot, Mm -hmm. right? You got a lot of kudos. You got a lot of reinforcement, maybe in a family system where they didn't see you otherwise, right? So this was your thing. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to be, I'm the one that is, is good at school, right? And that just keeps going. So the things that are our biggest, like greatest assets can also be our biggest challenges when we get to a certain level where all of a sudden we're like, oh, wait a minute. I I haven't really figured out how to be present for myself and for my family. And so how, why is that? And how do I then take a look at that and figure out how to get the balance back? Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of that is like, you know, that's a sort of, again, it's sort of a typical thing for people that work a lot is there's, there's a way, not always, but there can be a way of kind of disconnecting from emotions mm-hmm. by pouring yourself into that and staying in that survival state of right. lots of sympathetic arousal and keeping yourself at that level. So you don't have to drop in and feel so much. And when you're not feeling, you can't connect to those around you. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, you know, it's not like, why are you not doing this one thing? Yeah. Spending time with your family, building relationships, whatever that is. But like, why, what's pulling you the other direction? It's not that you don't want to do those things, but right. like, you know, for other reasons, yeah. um, you're being pulled in another yeah. direction. And what I try to do is help people understand that that is a way that you keep yourself safe. Mm-hmm. That That's not a bad thing. You're not a horrible person. It's, this is how you've learned to keep yourself safe is by not dropping into how you feel and not trusting people, right? People, emotions, they don't really serve me. You know, they haven't served me because for me, I was abandoned. I'm not talking about me, but just in general, like emotions are are not necessary because they didn't help me when mm-hmm. I had them as a kid, no one yeah. really paid attention. Sure. So I'm going to just leave that there. I'm going to go into my career and then, oops, I realize all of a sudden I'm at a certain place and I actually do want that connection. And how the heck do I get it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, people don't necessarily know, know the answer and you got to do a lot yeah. of that curiosity and exploring yeah. to, to figure that out. Yeah. Um, so the word that comes to mind as like what you're talking about is like vulnerability, mm-hmm. right? Like and vulnerability is oftentimes very uncomfortable for yeah. a lot of people. Um, and I think for many people, if they were considering working with, um, someone in the mental health field, there has to be a bit of vulnerability to even lead them to the point where they're going to seek out the, uh, you'd said not advice, but like seek out the assistance of working with somebody. Yeah. How, how have you seen, um, you know, by the time they get to your office, they've already crossed that hurdle, right. but like, what would you say to somebody who, you know, maybe they're considering doing work with mental health, but what they're struggling with is like asking someone yeah. feeling the feeling of asking someone for help. Right. Cause right. sometimes asking someone for help is uncomfortable. Like you feel like, I can't do this on my own. I have to be very vulnerable to ask someone yes, to help me. Yeah. So it's, it, it mimics when I see clients in here, it mimics how they are on the outside. Right. Mm-hmm. So if it's hard for someone to show up here and ask for help, that tells me a lot about what's going on for them outside. And so it's similar to what I was just saying is, you know, someone who has learned they cannot rely on other people they're going to have a hard time reaching out to a therapist mm-hmm. and feeling like it's safe enough to be authentically themselves with a therapist. It's my job to decrease mm-hmm. 
a lot of that anxiety and to meet them where they're at. Right. And I think the most beautiful thing that I've heard clients say time and time again, which is how I know I'm doing my job is I didn't want to come today. Mm-hmm. You but know, they did. I, yeah. And, you know, and just honoring that and honoring the resistance, you always need to honor the resistance, what we resist persists. And so if we're not honoring where they're at in their journey, yeah, totally. You didn't want to come today. Of course. Yeah. Why would you, I'm not, you don't know me like I'm a trained professional, but how do you know how safe I am? There's a lot of trained professionals out there. So just honoring, acknowledging, validating, you know, the first time I talk to them, how do I just sort of meet them where they're at, understand their resistance, understand their anxiety and just be a human. Yeah. 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 I, we use the, um, we use the triple a acronym uh, a lot in our office, like acknowledge, ask, and allow, mm-hmm. like acknowledge whatever the concern or issue was that the person brought up, like yep. make sure you acknowledge that and not yep. just like brush it by the side. Don't right. act like, you know how they feel. You might not know how they feel. Um, and then ask them a question and allow them the time and the space to share yeah. their story and yeah. share their experience. Yeah, I love that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's basically like what yeah. you're saying. In different and this terms. is why I love to send people to you guys yeah. because, you know, you guys do such a great job of like literally dropping in with someone, you know, and just following, like you said, you know, if you could fix it in one session, you charge $10,000 and never see him again. Um you know, I always come to Amber when I'm yeah. with new stuff yep. and every time she responds and she listens and she treats it like that's the most important thing in the room and right. that's what you need to do. And, and yeah, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's going to look different on, on any given day, right? Mm-hmm. Because, um, so much stuff happens from, from one session to the next. And yeah. what I tell people is like, you know, life. what we, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what we hope is that, you know, this is where you are today and this is where we're going to want to be and what would be amazing is if this trajectory of improvement was just this nice straight line yeah, be great. that improves right. one day over so another day right just like yeah. a staircase uh-huh. uh but that's not how it goes right really. there's going to be ups and there's going to be downs yes and what we hope is that your down days in the future are better than your up days in the past absolutely that's exactly you know that that is life so throughout and this is what i try to you know help clients understand is throughout any given hour, you're going to have ups and downs and ups Mm -hmm. and downs and throughout any given day, week, month. And just like anything healing, just, just like physical healing, it is this, and I'm doing this thing with my hand where I'm kind of up and down, up and down. That is life. And that is the process of healing as well. And the idea is like you said, to spend more time at the top, less time at the bottom and have it be this nice little curve rather than a lot of these, like, you know, kind of staggering moments where you're stuck up here, stuck down there. And, um, yeah, there's always something new on the horizon, right? Like if we could see, like, I always tell clients, they come in and they're like, I feel like I was doing good. And now I'm doing, and it's like, Oh, cool. You're able to notice that Mm -hmm. the last week you were doing great right now. Not so much. So let's just be with that. And then understand that therapy, like anything else is a nice, like you get to the top of the hill and then you're able to kind of spend some time there. And then you see the next hill that you mm-hmm. need to climb because if you right. saw it all at once, you would never even start. The yeah, that's right. You just got to take it one step at a time. Um, yeah. And 
that's what I like to see clients, right? On their good days and on their not so good totally. days, because then we can work through that because it's a different challenge that, that they're going through, right? On the good days, we get to explore how, how much are we able to push? Like, mm-hmm. what is the capacity that you actually can start to do mm-hmm. as we're working through this injury? Like, how much can you do? And then on the, the not so good days, when maybe they're feeling flared up, we get to teach them like, hey, how can we make this little flare up? Yeah. shorter lived than what they used right. to be in the past. Exactly. Like, how do we get through this a yeah. little bit more quickly, right. uh, efficiently so that we can get back to those yeah. good days? Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I think too, like you were saying, how, you know, why do you reach out to a therapist? How do you, you know, something doesn't have to be terribly wrong. You know, I always tell people like when you're not in a crisis, it's like the best time to be in therapy because we can really explore. You have the capacity to explore some deeper things. Right. So it's not like, oh, I don't know what to talk about today. Like, come in and be yourself. Mm -hmm. This is a relationship and be as you are and come in and sit down. If you don't have anything to say, we don't say anything for a while. If you want to, you know, talk about the weather, that's what we do. But giving that like once that crisis has kind of released, there's so much work that can be done. Mm -hmm. Usually that client leaves and was like, I didn't know what I was going to talk about today, but here we just explored so many things. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) a lot of times I was telling this to a group of people this morning um, that from a physical therapy standpoint, you don't have to wait until you're in pain right. to come in and work, work with me or anyone else. Right. Like yeah. I would actually prefer you work with someone else on our team because mm-hmm. I'm so confident that you're going to get so well taken care of that. Right. Like it makes my, my job easy mm-hmm. to like, when I'm talking to people outside the office, it's like, I don't have to worry about if their schedule is not going to confine to mine. Right. Like it doesn't matter. As long yeah. as you see anyone on our right. team, you're going to be so well taken care mm-hmm. of, but you don't have to be in pain to benefit from it. No. anyone could walk in the office and we're going to be able to do an assessment and we're going to find things that we can work on. Right. And even if they're like performing optimally, and this has never happened, um, knock on wood, but there's going to be something that we find that's not working optimally that we can improve. But even if like this person just tests out amazing, they're performing great. Well, then we just work on performance, right? Right, Like then we just work on building capacity, working on resilience and like, just make you better than you were yesterday. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cause that, that coming up and coming down, the coming up and coming down is what builds resiliency. mm -hmm. That, and that's what we want to build in therapy. That's what we want to build in PT is, you know, being able to recognize when you were activated and then come back down that in and of itself builds that resiliency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's such an overlap, which is cool between what we do. Um, you know, it's not like you're just working on the mind and we're just working on the body. There's a huge overlap in the middle. There's this huge gray area. Yeah. I work a lot with chronic pain and you know, that's, uh, yeah, it's a huge mental health component to that. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So, say somebody is, they're just not quite sure, right? If they want to cross that hurdle to, to actually begin working with somebody, but they know they would like to start to find out a little bit more information. They're like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm kind of buying into this. I want to explore this just mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, I love to read books. What are some, you know, some books that maybe you have recommended to people yeah. or that you've read yourself that you really hit home that maybe you would suggest yeah. somebody check out? Yeah. Yeah. So it depends on, you know, what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love adult children of emotionally immature parents and it's <laughs> kind of ridiculous. Adult comment. children of emotionally <laughs> immature parents. Yeah. Let me write that down. 
<laughs> but um, so that's that's kind of a catch-all for for people who feel like maybe their childhood wasn't so um like they didn't really get what they needed from from their parents and not because their parents are horrible people but because um their parents only can give what they got themselves and so there's a lot of great themes in that book a lot of great information a lot of like normalizing certain things in a family system where you feel like um you know, I just didn't get what I emotionally needed from my parents. And you're kind of going to see, it's a very short read, but mm-hmm. it's, it's really great. And it's really helped a lot of my clients. Um, I'd say the body keeps the score. I have heard great things. By about Bessel book. van der Kolk. Yeah. Um, and then any of Peter Levine's books, waking the tiger in an unspoken voice, you're going to learn a lot about the, the, uh, mind body connection and survival uh, energy and how that contributes to mental health. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. No, I think that's great because everyone's going to be at a little different point in their journey. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and we want to be able to help people meet them where they're at and help them move forward from there. Also name to, um, uh, the boundary boss is a great book too. Mm -hmm. Um, talking about boundaries and if you're kind of like, well, what, what are boundaries and why do I need them? And how does this resonate in my life? Yeah. Check that book out. Um, she does a great job of kind of breaking it down, helping you understand why it's important naming some of like the very typical boundary, um, diffuse and too rigid boundary, Mm -hmm. uh, symptoms. So that's another good one. This has been good, Lauren. I got a, I guess one, um, you know, sort of as we move towards closing this episode, um, I guess one more question for you, just like, is there, you know, anything that maybe we haven't touched on yet, a question that I didn't ask you that maybe you were hoping, hoping to like share some insight on yeah. or just like anything else that we didn't, we didn't really touch on that you think would be really important to, uh, to cover, yeah. um, before, before we wind up, um, here this morning. Yeah. Um, so w- two things, one, if you tried therapy before and it, it just did not feel like a good fit please try again. It is truly, it is truly like dating. You have to figure out who's a good fit for you and why, and why not. If typical talk therapy has only gotten you so far, like I hear it, you know, does for a lot of people see if you can search for someone who has, you know, somatic approach. So whether it's like somatic experiencing approach or somatic I don't know what else they call it, somatic psychology or kind of a somatic like body-based approach that brings in that component. Mm -hmm. I think you'll go a lot farther. Um, Also, don't be afraid to reach out to a therapist and just kind of, I've had some really great conversations with people that are just, they have a lot of great questions for me. Like, what's your approach? What does a typical session look like? How often would you want to see me? How, what sets you apart? Don't be afraid to just, again, it's kind of like dating where you reach out to someone, you talk to them, you figure out, oh, I don't want that, or I do want this. And then maybe that's not the great, a great fit, but you learn about someone else who may that be even better fit. Mm -hmm. And I hate to say this to like the world of who's going to listen to this podcast, but I'm happy to help anyone (laughs) find a therapist because it's so hard. I mean, I just uh, was on the phone with someone this morning, like searching for a therapist for my friend. Cause it's very hard to know what kind of therapist you need. If you 
don't know much about it. Yeah. So I'm glad that I asked you that question because some of the things that you addressed were questions that I wasn't planning on asking you. Like, like for example, oh, what does a session look like? Mm-hmm. How, how many sessions do I need to come yeah. type of thing? Because I know those answers are very individualized to whatever yeah. the situation and the person is. Yeah. So I'm glad, I'm glad that I asked you that. And, um, what you said, yeah, it's totally true. It's yeah. true. It's true for physical therapy. Right. We meet a lot of right. clients that have gone to physical therapy other places or chiropractic care other places, and they were very skeptical to come totally. into our office because totally. they're like, "Well, I've already tried this; yeah. it doesn't work for yeah. me." Um, and I'm like, "You know what? Let's just give Let's give it a try, down. right? Yeah. And if you hate it, we will give you your money back and we'll let yeah. you walk out of yeah. here." Yeah. Um, and the other way, we are not the right fit for every single exactly. person exactly. that walks into our yes. office. Right. And it would be foolish of us to think that we were. Yes. And so I love that, like basically what you just said of like, you know, you're not going to always be the right fit for someone. No. But at the end of the day, that comes back to like your, <laughs> your passion of why you got into this in the first place yeah. is to help people help take care of people. And even if that means it's not you. Totally. Right. Yes. And I have a huge, like I keep lots of lists of people that I refer to because I have my little community of people, you know, physio rooms, part of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I told someone the other day, like, she's like, yeah, I've been to physical therapy. I'm like, mm, yeah, you haven't been to physio room yet though. So <laughs> <laughs> check them out. So yeah, I mean, definitely it's uh just get out there, ask around, you know, go to like, you know, Facebook and ask who people have had good, yeah. good experiences with and yeah, it's uh that's definitely a passion of mine. It's well, finding people help. Well, so. I, I love your suggestion to like you know reach out to on Facebook or whatever, these different word of mouth pages and yeah. things. Because for whatever reason, one thing that we all tend to do is because then we can like not have a personal connection to it, is yeah. we trust the the recommendations of strangers yes. so much, right? Yes, we do. Because then you don't know anything about that person. They're just giving you a recommendation, like, hey, this this worked really well for me. Yeah. Um a lot of times, even more than we trust the recommendations of our friend and family yes. um, is we, yes. that's why Google reviews and all these things are, are so yes. important. Yes. Um, so, so say somebody wanted to do that, Lauren, and um, they wanted to reach out to you. Uh-huh. Where, where can people find you? How can they get a hold of yeah, you? Yeah. So securebasedmentalhealth.com uh, or securebasedmentalhealth at gmail.com, or you can give me a ring 720-513-3530. Awesome. Yeah. I love when someone rattles off a phone number and they're like, Hmm, is this, yeah. do I remember the phone number? You saw because, my face. <laughs> well, because now, you know, we all have our iPhones or our Androids or whatever you have and so you just scroll through your list and you hit the name. Yeah. Um, yeah. the only phone numbers that I like really have memorized, um, with the exception of my wife and my work, the two, two people that I've met, you know, since I've had a, mm-hmm. you know, a more traditional modern day phone are the ones when we didn't have all that. Like totally. when you actually like had to call people. Yeah. Like I can still rattle off my parents and my yeah. sister, yeah. my brother's yeah. numbers. Uh-huh. Uh, Cause I didn't have the ability to just hit, hit right. their name in my phone. Yeah. Well, this has been fun. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thank Great. you for being on here. I yeah. think we could have kept talking for, know. you know, another hour or whatever <laughs> all day. Um, but that would have been a really long episode. Yeah. So I appreciate you being on here again. Yeah. Guys, we're just wrapping up talking with Lauren Goldberg, the owner of Secure Base Mental Health here in Denver, Littleton, Colorado. Yeah. And um, we appreciate you being on this episode of The Code, listening to this, and we hope you're able to find some value in every single one of these episodes. And we hope to see you back here next time. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys.